Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. He handed over the keys to a, to a school. I mean, it's pretty incredible to think about. Her father's renowned. He hands her over the keys and says, you run the university. <laughs> can you imagine that today? But anyway, she, Absolutely she lectured amazing. on philosophy, Jiggy. And she became so popular that... Um, she, you know, had uh, built up this great school, but, but here's the thing. This is where they used to have the fantastic Library of Alexandria, which had all the knowledge of the ancient world. And we know from, historic, from history that there were a number of times that this library burnt down. It burnt down during Caesar's time, and then in 391, the bishop ordered it burnt because of all the pagan information there wasn't uh, important anymore. So it's unfortunate that, you know, science and culture lost all these advances of the ancient world when that papyrus literally went up and smoked Jiggy. But anyway, she taught there, and uh, she was renowned for the school. We've got Alan K. Patch with us today. Now, what kind of life did she live in Alexandria? You know, Jiggy, she was so um, famous, she lived this life where, you know, she, she drove around in her chariot with a philosopher's robe on. She had, like, free reign within the city. Um, and so people gave her a wide berth. They respected her so much. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, nowadays, you, you know, we drive her in cars and things like that. But back then, she could ride around in her chariot by herself. But things changed, Jiggy, and this is the problem. Alexander became a front for the clash of religions. Because you have the pagan world, you have the Jewish religion and the Christian faiths all coming together in that city of Alexandria, and they were conspiring and plotting and and uh, you know uh, creating all these struggles to see who was going to be the dominant religion, and that was the problem because at the point that you know she's she's a pagan, the Christians saw her as a witch, and eventually that drove them against her. And it's, it's, it's difficult to, to really see, you know, the, the problem. She, she was, her lectures were about happiness and, and how perfection could be achieved through, like, uh, philosophy. But in the end, Jiggy, they declared her a witch. And the manner in which she died is horrid. Um, eventually, they tore her from her chariot. They ripped her to pieces, and they dragged her body through the streets. Isn't that terrible? This, this accomplished woman who achieved so much in, in a world where maybe women couldn't do it, and at the zenith of her career, uh, she was torn apart. Alan K. Patch with us today, Patches of History. It is a fantastic radio series we do each and every week. Check out akpatchauthor.com. That's akpatchauthor.com. And for the people in the cheap seats in the back, akpatchauthor.com. Now, how did she die, and what's her legacy, Alan? Well, that's, that's um, you know, the, the terrible story. They, they, they brought in these... Um, these monks from the desert who had no idea of, of, of the respect that she had within the city, and they nabbed her and killed her, Jiggy. Um, but, uh, you know, here, here's the thing about her. You know, we're, we're kind of sorry that a woman of this caliber was taken down, um, and especially someone who respected the gentle nature of people so much. But we have to think about, you know, religious hatred and ignorance and how that comes together in our world, too. I mean, we have the example of Malala, that girl in Pakistan. Remember her? She was shot by the, Pac- by the um, Taliban uh, as she was trying to uh, create a school for um, young women in Pakistan. So we have the past and we have the present coming together, and the same kind of things occur. You know, um, um, uh, sometimes uh, the world, you know, we go two steps forward and one step back, Jiggy. But that's the story of Hypatia. Um, if you've ever gone to the movies, there, there's a movie on Netflix called The Agora, which tells the story of her life. And it's, you know, none of these movies are all perfect, uh, but it's a pretty good uh, idea of what happened back then. Good stuff. We've got Alan K. Patch with us today, and uh, I appreciate it, Alan. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, my man. All right, Jiggy. I'm calling from Boston, and I'll be back uh, soon to San Diego. It's always fun to be back uh, 
in uh, all this history back in Boston. Definitely. Well, we'll talk to you then, my friend. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Alan K. Patch with us today here on our big broadcast. And uh, we are going to go to a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will chat with Jay Izzo, H to the Izzo, B to the Izzane, the big star, star stage and screen, Jay Izzo. I like to I like to say that he's the star stage and screen. And uh, when we come back, we will chat with Ray Blanco and Jay Izzo, Doctor Izzo, coming up. It's the world famous. Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast, AMFM247.com, iHeartRadio, iHeartDebt, whatever you want to refer to them as. Let's insult them on their own format. Fantastic. Great idea. Attention, this is a public notice from Citizens Disability. If you are one of the millions of Americans who are disabled and unable to work, you may be entitled to disability benefits from Social Security. Receiving benefits is your right if you suffer from a physical or mental disability. Whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied, Citizens Disability can help. You'll be given an advocate who will evaluate your situation, handle your application, and deal with Social Security. Best of all, there is no fee until you receive your benefits. We only get paid if you win your case. To get started with your free no-obligation consultation, call 800-504-1639. That's 800-504-1639. There are a vast number of conditions that can make you eligible for disability benefits, many that you may not be aware of. So if you're disabled and unable to work, Call Citizens Disability today. Again, that's 800-504-1639. 800-504-1639. That's Citizens Disability. 800-504-1639. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company. At the age of 96, order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-835-0176 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-835-0176 now. Again, that's 800-835-0176. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Dan Perkins here for Songs and Stories for Soldiers with your veterans tip of the day. Did you know that the suicide rate for women vets is 12 times that of their sisters in civilian life? Did you know that one in four women vets feel uncomfortable about talking to people about their mental health issues? Did you know almost 600,000 women vets in America are suffering from PTSD? It's time to help. It's time for all of us to encourage our sisters, mothers, and wives to get help by contacting their local VA hospital clinic or community-based health care center. So if you know a woman vet that is suffering, go to va.gov and find their nearest VA facility. This has been Dan Perkins of Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your veterans tip of the day. Now, the Jiggy Jaguar Show on JiggyJaguar.com. I'll tell you, I just watched a trailer on the old social media hell is that uh for life after flash it's a website lifeafterflash.com something called flash gordon we got it we 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 we've got to get these people on the radio show i've got to have them here i love flash gordon have to get them here 
Gondon is alive. We gotta get him here. Uh, you know who I hope is at the Planet Comic Con next year is the original Flash Gordon. That mother... I hope he's there. If he is, I'm going. Because I gotta meet Flash Gordon. I gotta meet Gordon. Flash Gordon. The Gordon Man. I don't know what that even means. Is he the Gordon Man? Is he a man? Is he Flash Gordon? I don't know. We'll find out. But we gotta get to Ray Blanco. The Blanco Man. I think Hi, there's Ray. Hey, how are you, sir? It's James Lowe with KJ Radio and iHeartRadio and Radio Xenu and all the rest calling you for your radio hey. interview. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well. Yes, yes, indeed. If you want to give me about five seconds here, I'm going to bring in sure. our co-host, Jay Izzo, Dr. Mm. Jay Izzo. And uh, this 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 will be entertaining today. We, we've got Ray Blanco with us today. He is joining us live here on our big broadcast. And uh, I'll tell you, Ray, you have got a a heck of a background. Uh, today we're going to be discussing about how you can now get a bachelor's degree in growing marijuana. And uh, Ray Blanco is with us today. He's a marijuana stock analyst, author of the widely read Penny Pot Profits newsletter, brought to you by Agora Financial. And uh, he's with us today. A university basically offers a marijuana degree. Um, Alex Roth has gotten into the habit of pulling out his cell phone and showing skeptical friends a screenshot of the classes he'll have to take to get his Bachelor of Science degree from Northern Michigan University. And when they hear what major it is, there are a lot of people who say, wow, cool, dude, you're going to get a degree growing pot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've got Jay Izzo with us today. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's let's talk about this, Ray. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a hell of a deal. Pot you. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I, if I if I were a young kid, I'd be signing up for that in a heartbeat. You know, dude, I'm I'm not I'm not a young kid. But I just I I don't I mean I may just want to have it as just an you know alternative degree to hang on my wall. Yeah, yeah it might it might be a good degree to have. I mean, I, they say the classes are pretty hard. This is hardcore organic uh, farming techniques and. You know, chemistry and all kinds of stuff. So it's not like, you know, um, you, you probably it's not a good idea to go through class stone because you're not going to pass. But uh, it's just a pointer at just this whole, you know, this whole pot thing is going really mainstream in the United States now, and it's got a full head of steam behind it. So uh, we'll be seeing more of this. Yeah. Well, Ray, I'll tell you where you got me. Uh... Where you got me and reading, you know everything that I've tried to read about as much as I could read about you and things that you talk about. And and by the way, you are a noted authority on all of this stuff. It seems everywhere I turn, your name comes up. I, I, I listen. I'm loving the whole. I'm I'm an ethical capitalist. That's how I describe myself. I am an ethical capitalist, and I, I want to take advantage of this as much as I can from a capitalist standpoint. So. Uh, if if you're telling me that getting this degree will help me increase that, uh, you know, maybe put some money aside, uh, I I mean, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, from the business sense, we're looking at, uh, you know, this industry is going to go, it's probably like $7 billion in the U.S. right now by 2020. Uh, We're looking at it being bigger than the NFL. This is pre-Neil pre-newing NFL, right, before this whole controversy uh, erupted in the NFL, but it's going to be uh, over $20 billion business. And I just think there's just too much public support to stop this already. I mean, we've had votes in all these states. People pretty much every time it's put to a vote, they're voting yes lately. We had a bunch of states uh, take votes last year. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you've got public opinion polls. 90% of people out there think that at, at the very minimum, it should be okay to, for this stuff to be legal for medical use, which is a pretty amazing number, 90%. That's a Quinnipiac poll. I mean, you can't get uh, 90% of people to, or, you know, agree the sky's blue. Right. Um, and, and even on the recreational side, you've got solid polling. Over 60% of, of the public seems to think that, you know, we should just decriminalize this stuff. 
and stop throwing people in the jail over it and just treat it like we treat alcohol, a legitimate business, tax, tax the pants off of it, you know, and regulate it like you like you would regulate uh, alcohol and just be done with this already. Yeah, well, but the problem is, the problem is, though, like, I just read an article here on, on that um, I wanted to double check and make sure that, in fact, this was absolutely true. I didn't want to, um, but I, I, I checked, double checked the sources on this. But um, according to the U.S. National Drug Control Strategy, showed that Colorado has seen a two-thirds increase in traffic deaths that they link to cannabis use since they've had it. And part of the problem, yeah. part of the problem is they can't, how do you, how do you, um, you can't breathalyze somebody for cannabis. Not right? yet. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, very, that's, you know, that's part of the problem, right? Part of the problem is, is that, um, we, we figured out how to stop drinking and driving. Well, not stop it, but you know, at least we, we can, we can discover it. This is, this was a problem. I, I read about this problem years ago when I was working on my master's and doctorate and I was working in some neuropsych stuff. And I remember reading about this years and years ago that in the British Journal of Medicine, the difficulties they were having even in Australia and other countries about people smoking and driving. And the difficulty there is in how do you how do you discover it? How do you how do you what do you do? What do you what do you accuse them of? Right? They can so they can cause an accident on the road. How do you fight it? They can't. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't have good a good test. Um, we have a blood test, but as you know, you can't, you can't do you that. Know, on, it, you can't it, pull somebody out of their car and give them a blood test. No, but, you know, you could take, if you suspect somebody of being intoxicated, you can take them in. But the problem is, maybe you smoked a week ago, okay? Right. right. And you're not, you're not intoxicated right now. You smoked a week ago, you're sober right now, but the test turns up positive. It's not good evidence of intoxication. It's not like the alcohol tests that we have out there right. where, you know, they're, they're pretty decent, you know, piece of evidence that they can use in court um, to show that you're intoxicated. We just don't have that with cannabis, with our testing. And now there's companies that are working on that. There's right. a couple of small companies out there that are working on a breathalyzer type test that, you know, supposedly it's going to be like what we have with alcohol, where if you got a positive, it'll give you a reading. And you'll have some sort of chemical evidence that you could present to a court that this person, you know, was intoxicated when they were driving. Uh, now, there's people that swear that you can drive on, you know, after smoking marijuana. I don't believe any of that, but, no, um, you know, it, no. it, it, it affects you in different ways. So it's it's not possible. I mean, when you look at the neuro, when you look at the neurochemistry, yeah, and you look at the neurotransmitter pathways of how THC affects a number of the 5,000 neurotransmitters that we have floating around in the brain. It is, and it's just, I'm sorry. You know, I know that people want to believe it's harmless, and but it's not. It, it's just not. There's, there's, a matter of fact, there's just an article that came out six days ago from Montreal, a journal article from Montreal, that, that in fact, uh, marijuana use is, is linked to increasing violent behavior. And so there is there is mounting evidence here that and and you're not going to be able you can't use a breathalyzer with cannabis. I'm sorry, you can't. It's not possible. I can I know that they're going to say, "Oh, we can, we can't." No, you can't. There's no way. There's no way that if you smoke something, it's not the same way as alcohol content. You cannot take a breathalyzer and be able to distinguish cannabis content. You can't, you can't. I mean, you already have alluded to one of the issues is, okay, I get somebody in, I do a blood test. Well, they could have smoked a week ago. That, that it doesn't necessarily prove anything. So this is the, I think this is a real, real problem. But I also think, now here's the good side of this, if there's a good side. The good side of this is, doggone it, I think that you and I can make some money if we can find some way to, to get in on this and find some sort of a, a product out there that we could be able to 
you know, stop people from smoking and driving? Yeah, it's it's a uh, there's a market need that's being created before our eyes. I agree. If somebody figures out, you know, how to solve that problem. We're talking about hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars in sales to law enforcement across the country. Yeah, billions of dollars. And I'll tell you something else we got to get you and I got to talk about sometime is that, you know, Colorado is now employing hundreds of former military personnel to guard these distribution houses. And they've created companies made up these former military people. Because people will steal marijuana. Now, it it, it may not make sense to people, but it's it's very real. The reason why they've got hundreds of these military people um, guarding these distribution warehouses and is because people try to steal all the time. And matter of fact, some have met with fatalities in Colorado, um, shooting deaths, etc., because people will try to steal marijuana from these distribution centers, and, and it's so not just it's not just the marijuana itself. No, um, you know a lot of these businesses. I mean, they're cash businesses. They can't use the banks. A lot of them. Right. Right. So you so, got all this cash sitting around. You know. Right. It's, so, it's just and, it's screaming out for a heist. You know. Right. Well, and the other so, thing is, is that like if you live in Nebraska, so you can steal if you can steal the marijuana. You can you can actually sell it illegally in Nebraska and make so much more money because it's not legal. So the surrounding states that where it's not legal, they they try to steal it because they can make so much more money in another state. So they you have there's actually a little business going on here where people are actually buying it, smuggling it across the state, and then selling it for two times as much money of what they pay for. Oh, that's it. happening all over all over the place. You know, yeah, buy it it's, legal. You know, somewhere like California, and then drive to, you know, one of the neighboring states that's illegal. I mean, you're going to get, you know, the street price, you know, which is a lot higher than than it is in a, yeah. in, you know, in, in a white market like maybe California or these days you've got Nevada and Colorado, you've got other states. But yeah, it's big time business. I mean, here in Florida, um, you know, the Colorado stuff shows up all the time. Right. You know, people have candy, edibles, and things like that. It's all from Colorado, and they sell it here. They'll, you know, there's folks that drive all, make the drive, you know, and it's just a situation we have where we've got a patchwork of different laws. It's still, you know, illegal at the federal level, although they are, for the most part, holding their horses on a lot of the enforcement, um, and we just have this crime situation. Uh, now, if we ever move to a regime where, you know, this stuff is no longer a schedule with one substance with the DEA. It's regulated and it's legal. You're going to see that collapse and you're going to see the theft collapse because um, the incentives just won't be there anymore. I mean, you don't have these massive armies of, of private guards, you know, around, you know, uh, Jack Daniels distilleries in, in Tennessee and stuff like that because it's it's not the same. It's it's The incentives are just not the same. It's not. It's not the same, and uh, it's 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 not the same thing. I I do think that there again from a just a pure capitalistic standpoint, I think there's plenty. There, I think there's a lot of opportunities because yeah. if, if somebody got in on the ground floor, and I think you know you talk about this a lot, right, with the penny stocks, right, and the related cannabis penny stocks, right. You talk about this a lot, where. You talk about this is an opportunity that people, you know, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on about this, you have an opportunity to actually make some money in this, right? So talk about that a little bit. Sure. So, you know, the average cannabis stock is up something in the neighborhood of 500% this year. We track a bunch of them. We've got a proprietary uh, cannabis index that we've put together. And we're always looking for technical moves and we're looking for uh, regulatory changes to take advantage of because when these, when these stocks move, they really move and they can move hundreds of percent in a relatively short period of time. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity uh, in the U.S., but there's also a lot of opportunity internationally. Uh, you've got Canada, for example. Um, they're going full legal and uh, all that's going to be in place by July next year. 
Um, you know, you've got states like California that are moving in the right direction. You've got all kinds of stuff. There's, there's also a whole science angle. Um, you know, we've learned a lot about human biology from the cannabis plant, and we've discovered this whole network. You talked about all these receptors in the brain. Uh, they're not just in the brain. They're all throughout our body, like the, the yep. endocannabinoid system. And uh, we've got the potential for some real breakthrough medicine, really be able to address some serious um, healthcare problems in the world um, by, you know, continued research, which, you know, is, is becoming easier in the United States, especially since last year. Uh, but just, uh, you know, cannabis-based medicine for the treatment of everything from chronic to epilepsy to autoimmune disorders and inflammatory conditions. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, I, I think, I, I you know, I just think that, um, I, I just, I love, I love opportunities. I really do. I'm, I'm a big fan of opportunity. And, you know, I think there are some, and, and some of these stocks that you talk about, right? These penny stocks. I mean, you're talking that you can still get in, you can still get in, right? Fairly inexpensively, right? Yeah. You know, because the market is a really good, um, you know, at, there's a lot of risk in these small companies just because, this business is, it's a brand new industry and there's still a lot of legal and regulatory issues. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as I've, as I've mentioned over time, I believe that we're going to see this stuff get cleared away. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some really big winners. There's going to be a lot of losers. But if you keep a, a portfolio and you spread the risk around, I think what we're going to be seeing in a few years is that, you know, you're going to have some losers, but the gains you're going to have and the winners are just going to, totally swamp the losses and, and, and the losers. Um, and as this thing gets close to legal, you're going to start seeing consolidation. You're going to start seeing some of these other companies that are not currently in the cannabis business probably try and move in and start buying up brands and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, it's it's just a, literally a greenfield opportunity right now in the United States and in many other parts of the world. And um, it's, you know, it's a great place to be. So do you think the banks are going to change their pro thought process on this? Because they don't want anything to do with it. They don't right now because they, they don't want to be exposed to the federal government. You know, this is stuff is not legal at the federal level, period. Uh, now, we've got a couple of things that have happened over the years. So we've got this thing at the Department of Justice. It's called the Cole Memo, and this is an Obama-era um, measure and the Cole memo is not legally binding it's just an internal document sure but the uh, Department of Justice has decided um, that it's not going to go after some of these businesses that are operating legally in their respective states okay so you've got that and then you've got this amendment uh, the Rohrabacher Farr amendment that gets passed every six months or so in Congress where Congress specifically is telling the Department of Justice you are not to spend any money going after medical marijuana. So, uh, mm. you know, technically it's not legal at the federal level, so that's holding the banks back. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the DEA and the Department of Justice are kind of muzzled. Uh, but that, you know, it's, these are not really very binding measures. I mean, if right. they don't renew the amendment, then we go back to the D Department of Justice being able to do whatever it wants in terms of enforcement. Um, and, you know, the internal memo, that could be rescinded at any time. Uh, the current Attorney General Sessions really, really hates cannabis, and he really wants to take it out. Um, his arguments are very poor. That's his attitude. And, you know, um, last year we had a review by the Department of Justice, I mean by the Drug Enforcement Agency, about maybe moving cannabis off Schedule 1. It did not happen, although they've made it easier for scientific research. Um, you know, there's some approved sources for uh, clinical studies and so on um, that, you know, uh, scientists and researchers can get their hands on cannabis, although from what I understand, it's pretty crappy cannabis. You really don't want to use that stuff for research, but, you know, what do you expect from government-grown cannabis, I suppose? Um but, you know, we'll see what happens. We've got some bills in Congress, uh, different senators, both sides of the aisle that um, 
they want to go ahead and they want to change things. Um, and the public support is clearly there, uh, you know, but under a Republican-controlled Congress, it's really not easy to get the kind of change that the industry needs. So we'll see what happens. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if this is just going to be a state-by-state thing rather than a governmental thing, if it's just going to be state-by-state. State, it is see. right now. Well, I'm just wondering if that's the way it's going to wind up staying that states are going to go ahead and make their decision because the government is – I don't think the government's going to want to – I don't think they're going to want to make an official stance regardless of who's in office. I don't think – I think if they make an official stance, I think it makes the government look bad. So I'm wondering if the government was just going to kind of shy away, you know, like you said, kind of zip their lip and, you know, bite the bullet, let things kind of go their own way, and then they're just going to let states make the decision. That's kind of that's kind of I know it is right now, but I'm kind of wondering if that's the way it's just got to go, simply because uh, I I don't think anybody would want to because they, I think there'd be backlash either way you go. I mean, there's backlash if you don't, and there's backlash if you do. So I think it's a no-win situation for anybody who's in office. Don't you? Well, I think it's that's the status quo right now, but I think that you know. Things just seem to be moving in one direction, and that is for greater acceptance uh, on the part of the public, and and we have the state by state situation. But eventually, I, I think that's got to translate into pressure on on Congress to change things, or on the DEA to change things. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's a schedule one substance. So the DEA is basically saying that cannabis has no medicinal value, which we know is false because the National Institutes of Health actually holds some of the patents on the neuroprotective um, potential of cannabinoid compounds. So there's one part of the government saying this, got, this stuff has medicinal potential, and then you've got the DA saying it doesn't. Um, we know it's not a highly dangerous drug, at least not compared to others. Um, alcohol is not a safe, such a safe substance either, but you know, we regulate it carefully. We don't allow it to be sold to minors. You know, we don't let people drive around under the influence and stuff like that. So, um, and alcohol is not a Schedule One substance. Do, do you, uh, think, you know, but, it's, yeah. I mean, well, do, do you think though maybe part of this is the issue of regulation? Because I mean, I think you make a good point here. One of the things about alcohol is even, I mean, we know that alcohol is not a safe substance, and 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 minors shouldn't be drinking it. And and there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't and so but they control it and they can control it so is that is that perhaps some of the problem too because i mean you know we've already brought up the issue you know we can't breathalyze it we can't test for it we can't and we can't test for it accurately so is that part of the issue i think it's it's a part of the issue. i don't think it's a big part of the issue um you know, we had prohibition in this country at one time, and it turned out to be really unpopular. Violent crime flourished, uh, and you know, we repealed it, right? Well, I, it was, I think we're going to organized crime. I don't yeah. know if we, yeah, well, it was organized crime for sure uh, that yeah. you know took advantage of it, and the, the government couldn't stop the organized crime. You know, because the, or, the at that time, you know, the mafia and the other syndicates were able to use it to their advantage but i don't i see i think it was more of a alcohol was more of a moral issue and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that cannabis isn't a moral issue but at the time historically right it was really more of a moral issue than it was a physiological issue right so and i'm i'm so i, I it's a little difficult for me to compare that because I'm thinking, well, there's some physiological issues here that are a little bit different than the alcohol issue was at the time because then it was a you know huge thing. I mean, the the whole women's there was a whole women's anti-alcohol movement, right? Yeah. That was going on at the time, and um, so I I don't know if they're comparable. I get where you're going. I just I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's well. They're not. They're not perfect. They're not a perfect analogy, but. Um, there's a lot of similarities, similarities and parallels. So, um, I mean, well, I mean, and the, the thing is, yeah, 
Go ahead. The thing is, you know, even under the current system the, in, that we have now, which is that state-by-state -state patchwork with it still being officially illegal at the federal level, the, the, the industry is growing and growing and growing. And guess what? With all those billions in revenues, you've got money to lobby, and that's how it works. And you're going to see lobbying efforts, you already are, uh, both for and against, but you're going to see, you know, cannabis businesses lobbying to have representatives in Congress represent them and represent their business and, and make changes. So it's going to happen sooner or later. It's just a question of when, uh, you know, it might not happen this year. It might not happen next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now things completely change. And remember, we, it, this doesn't just have to go through Congress. This could go through the courts. I was reading today. There's, uh, a girl, I believe she lives, lives in Texas. She has just the worst, epilepsy that you can possibly imagine and um, she's part of, of a uh, lawsuit stating that the federal ban on cannabis is unconstitutional is depriving her uh, of her constitutional rights she can't go to another state to buy the stuff and come back um, she can't travel freely around the United States with her medicine um, now I, I think a lot of the art I was you know I glanced through the case Earlier today, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these arguments were probably shot shot down just because, you know, the federal government's got very, very broad powers uh, through the Commerce Clause of the Constitution to regulate interstate commerce. But you know, uh, there's some there's some uh, some of the things in that case are basically saying that the DEA is not following the law by keeping cannabis on Schedule One. And that, I think, could possibly, possibly, um, you know, hold up in court and, and the DEA could, you know, potentially lose that case uh, just because, you know, there's scientific evidence that cannabis shouldn't be Schedule 1. It might be Schedule something else, but not the very strictest sort of, of regulation that we have now, which, you know, we only reserve for really bad drugs like heroin and cocaine and things like that. Um, so, you know, even if Congress doesn't move, we might see, you know, the courts kind of say, you know, which is what they often do. You know, the public's already really for this. Let's just go ahead and let it go. And, and we could see change come through the judicial branch instead of the, um, legislative branch. That's interesting. Well, and we've seen, we've seen that before, haven't we? In, in a number of situations, oh, yeah. the legislative branch has kind of put pressure on, I mean, I'm sorry, the judicial branch has put pressure on the legislative branch because they have determined that something is legal or or whatever the case may be and then and then all of a sudden the legislative branch says okay well you know what there we go there it is and then that takes them off the hook right because if the judicial branch says yeah right i mean that's part of it i mean you got to think the psychology of this whole thing is i don't want to be on the hook for it right because nobody wants to be on the hook for that at all Nobody yeah. wants to make the decisions because then they're accountable to some part of the of their electorate, you know. There, there you Whereas go. judges, they're they're not generally at, not at the federal level. They're appointed, not elected. And they serve pretty much for life if they want to. Right. They don't have those pressures. They can do whatever they want. Nobody's going to vote them out, you know. No, 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 you can't be impeached. So <laughs> pretty much. So once you're in, so you know that's. It's, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I think it's an interesting. I think it's interesting times that we live in, and I think it's interesting to see where this is all headed. I, I am. I. I think uh, it's kind of. I think there's just a major, major, major opportunity here, though. I, I keep thinking about that. And I keep saying that to myself. I that there's just a, there's got to be major opportunities here for people to. Make tons and tons of money. I mean, it's going to be this is this is a multi-billion dollar and it's going to be and bigger. It, it may be a trillion dollar industry. I don't know. I, I don't know how big it can get, but I believe I do believe that as it starts to um, increase across the country, uh, as we start to see state by state do it, I, it's just going to be bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Yeah, and, and there's there's some potential really serious disruption. Um, so on the one hand, we're looking at a business that I think conservatively will be over $20 billion a year um, by, by the early 2020s, uh, which, you know, that's a lot of money. Uh, but there's also, you know, potential effects from um, the medical side, 
where, you know, the drug companies have been really pushing hard to not allow this stuff to be legal in the United States because you're going to lose business. I mean, opioids, you want to talk about a harmful, a harmful drug. I mean, we've got an opioid um, just disaster in this country. 15 to 20,000 people die every year of prescription opioid overdose. A lot of those folks are not what you might consider a, a stereotypical drug user. You know, they're productive middle-class people, teachers and, and you know, firefighters and all kinds of, of, of just regular, you know, salt-of-the-earth kind of people, but they've got, you know, a bad back, they've got a bad, bad joint, uh, and they get put on opioid drugs, and they get hooked, and, you know, this stuff just kind of hijacks your brain. It, it hits, these, you know, the reward centers of our brains, and we're really not different from lab rats. We've been evolutionarily wired to you know, just keep on hitting that reward circuit in our brain whenever we can, and opioids, they hit that. And people get addicted and eventually overdose, and, and they die, um, many of them, sadly to say. But cannabis can treat a lot of these problems with chronic pain without that danger. I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, I think that, uh, at least I'm not aware of anybody dying of a cannabis overdose. So, um, no, you know, we could have a... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, outside of that, you know, they drive and <laughs> they get into car fatalities. Um, yeah. From, I mean, uh, and, and certainly there's there's an, there is some cannabis addiction things that are out there in terms of the prefrontal cortex and some other issues that are associated with it. And so there there are some things, but you know, I, I also understand the other side of the argument is an opioid addiction is very real. It's it's a very real thing, and uh, there's a lot of people in this country who are driving around right now, probably listening to us on radio, who are under the influence of Vicodin or Percocet or what, name your favorite opioid, right? So yeah. um, I'm 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 sure of that. And how do you test for that? Well, good luck with that, <laughs> you know, because you can't. It's in the same way we can't test, we can't pull you up, we pull you over. But you could take a breathalyzer all day. You're going to pass a breathalyzer. That's just the way it is. You know, you could, you can load up on your favorite opioid, and you're not going to, you're not going to blow. So, um, you're not going to blow whatever the number is in your state. So, yeah, it's a, an issue. So, I, Ray, I, we're going to go here. I, we got to go. And I'm sorry. I would love to talk to you more, but I, w- I want to just say thank you so much for being thank you. on Jiggy Jaguar show and thanks for um you know I thank you for a in a, 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 a you know a great discussion. You know, this is where I think that you know, I think this is what's cool is that we can have really good discussions. We don't have to necessarily agree, but we can have a really good discussion that can be eye opening where we can listen to each other and talk yeah. to each other. And I love that. And and Ray, you're you are absolutely great. And I thanks. really I really hope that people will um, really pay attention to what you're doing out there. Um, this is Ray Ray Blanco, and he's he's does a lot of he he re- writes a lot, he knows a lot, he studies this thing. And um, matter of fact, I, I think one of the I read an article called "Marijuana is Not Just About Getting High" that I think you're that you're part of, which I thought was a great article, and you're. Um, it's awesome. So um, thank you so much, Ray, for being on the Jiggy Jaguar program here on iHeartRadio. We appreciate your time. And uh, good luck to you. I, w- I wish you well. Thanks. Been a All pleasure. Right. Talk to you soon. Right. Thank Definitely. you. Definitely. Thank you, my friend. That, of course, Ray Blanco. And uh, the topic today, you can get a bachelor's degree in growing marijuana. And, of course, Jay Izzo uh, back with us here. Uh, Jay, what, 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 what did you make of, of Ray? I like Ray. I mean, no, r- listen. Ray is a just a genuinely likable guy. He is, uh, you know, he's clearly a, a you know marijuana supporter, and it's fine. He, he's not angry. Did anybody hear any anger? I didn't hear any anger. No. Out of, and um, you know, I challenged him with a few things. I mean, I have done my research on this. This was actually um, this was something I happened to be interested in when I was in graduate school at Washington State University. And this is something I was really interested in when I was taking uh, our my biological psychology class and neurochemistry neuro neuropsychology class. 
And this is something I was really, really interested in was the effects of THC on the brain. And have, it's been, it's been also a passion since, since then to really read more and more about it because I feel like there's so much misinformation that people, and what I will also learn is that people will believe what they want to believe. So we have this confirmation bias, especially when it comes to marijuana, meaning this. So, we will, if it agrees with what we what we already have in our head, then that's the truth, and that's confirmation bias. So, you know, if people believe in marijuana, they believe that there is no harm to marijuana. If people who um, don't believe in marijuana and believe that there's harm, then anything they read is about the harmful effects of marijuana. And I want people... I think what people have to be tempered with is that there is no right, 100% right on this one, okay? There is plenty of information that, and especially the the article, the uh, research piece that was recently done on a longitudinal study over 50 years studying the effects of marijuana on these people that they've done for the last 50 years is really quite damning to the marijuana industry, but the marijuana people won't hear it. They won't listen to it. The, you know, but the people who are against marijuana think that is the greatest thing ever. You, <laughs> you, you, so you, I mean, you have to be kind of really careful about this particular topic because as, 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 you know, as innocuous as it seems, it's really not, it's, it's going to be a trillion dollar industry. Okay. First of all, and James, if you and I were smart, and I know that's challenging our brain cells a lot, <laughs> but if you and I were really, really intelligent, we would find a way to get on the ground floor of this. Because it's going to be trillion. It's going oh, to be, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's a 20, you heard him say, it's a $20 billion industry now. $20 billion. It's bigger than the NFL. That's how big. That's how big this industry is. Imagine if every state in the country allows marijuana. It is going to be freaking enormous. Yes. And I'm, and I'm and people think I'm making this up. That's a trillion dollar industry. It's going to be a trillion dollar industry. It, it, it is. And dude, you and I have just got to figure this out. I'm telling you, the one thing that intrigued me was this company is hiring out of Colorado. He's out of Denver, Colorado. This guy was a former police officer, and what he did is he's created a company that is that he hires these former military and police dudes who are really highly skilled with weapons, and he puts them as guards in these places in Colorado and is making a killing because he gets paid in cash. Paid in cash. I read a story that they they literally drop off the marijuana and then hand the guy thirty thousand dollars in cash. Holy dude, smokes, dude! Can you imagine thirty thousand dollars of delivery for a few minutes? That's what they hand this guy. That's pretty. It's heck pretty of a deal. I mean, it's a heck of a deal, man. And are you? Do you mean to tell me because this is all being dealt with in cash because the banks don't want to deal with it? Because this is all being dealt with cash, do you really think they're paying any taxes? Or I'm sure they are, but do you think that they're really paying all the taxes they should be paying? I say no. There's no way. If you're getting paid in cash, how do you know how much cash is being transferred? Right? I mean, I mean, I'm I'm just telling you, James. When marijuana comes to Kansas, okay, yeah. I'm telling you, Dorothy. Oh, believe and, me, it's going to be big, and there's going to be a lot of scumbags making a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of scumbags making a lot of money here. There is. There's going to be, and there's going to be a lot of people who, and and this is some of the things that we're seeing right now is in the Colorado thing, for instance. You're starting to see some people who are no longer effective at their job because they are so into their marijuana smoking and people don't think it's addictive it's addictive okay i I just 
there's several articles on the addictions, marijuana addiction, and the whole the whole pleasure center thing. Pleasure center is a pleasure center. It's the reason why people are addicted to gambling. It's the reason why people can be addicted to sex. It's the reason why people can be addicted to anything, and marijuana is no different than anything else. And I am just telling you that people stop. What they do is they stop working so they can smoke pot, and they like to smoke it more regularly. And then what happens, this is this is just the way it works, then what happens is they got no money, but they want their pot. Because they can go without pot for a few days, but once it gets to about a week, it gets harder for an, for the for the avid cannabis user to not smoke it for more. They got to have it once a week, right? So it gets really, really hard on them. What do they do? Well, they do what this one guy did in Colorado. He took his car, right, drove it through the wall. Stole a car, drove it through the wall of a, <laughs> a dispensary. Holy shit. Stole as much pot as he could after he drove it through the wall and then just ran away. So he stole the car, ran it through the wall, right, is, is, is how the story goes. And then stole as much pot as he could and he got away with it, right, because they didn't know who he was, right? So, I mean, this is this is what this type of stuff that can happen. And I'm telling you, this 66% increase in the fatalities in Colorado since they've legalized it, I mean, they're like right down to the number that this, there are cannabis-related fatalities. Yes. People don't, people don't understand. If you think drinking and driving is bad, wait till you get wait till you get somebody who smokes pot, and then you're not going to be able to sue them because you can't prove it, right? So when that when that first head-on collision happens. And that first child dies, and this guy is smoking pot, but they can't do anything because they're, they don't know if the guy smoked it last week or if he was actually under the influence, but he has no alcohol in his system, and th- that family is going to be out because they can't sue anybody? I'm just telling you. Because that's the, pro- that's the problem they're having right there in Colorado right now. So they can't sue anybody because they got no way to test for it. It's hell right? of a deal. Like it is. <laughs> It's going to be a hell of a deal. Our, our, just, our world is just, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, my, my old co-host from Jiggy Jag TV, Cousin Chris, used to say, just put the keys on the counter and walk away slowly. I think that's what it's starting to turn into here. Dude, dude. <laughs> just put the keys on the counter and walk away slowly. Put the keys on the counter and walk away slowly. I love that. That's all you got to do. Dude, it's just awful. It's... it's... <laughs> I just, I, I just don't, you know. I'm a well-educated guy, and Yikes. and I and and I have a science degree. All right, so my master's is a science degree. It is not an arts degree. Okay, I'm not, and I'm not disparaging arts people because I think they're needed. 